I'm excited to welcome a new sponsor in 2019 to the podcast, pageantswag.com. You see, I've been around the pageant world for some time now, and I have had numerous title holders and guests tell me that there were zero sites for casual fashion dedicated to you, the pageant lovers. So Pageant Swag decided to solve this problem. They've created this great e-commerce store full of everything from fun graphic t-shirts and crop tops to sweatshirts and hoodies, and they've even got a really cool lineup of both yoga and capri leggings, and it's all focused on you, the pageant lover. Check it out today and use the promo code LIFEAFTERTHECROWN for 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's pageantswag.com. One more time, pageantswag.com. Hey, everybody. It's Mrs. North Carolina, U.S. 2002, April Simpkins, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today was Mrs. North Carolina U.S. 2002, and she also won the title of Miss Petite North Carolina in 1995. Oh yeah, she's also the mother, by the way, of the current Miss USA, Chesley Christ. She is the president of HRSNS Consulting, a company she founded 18 years ago. She has since started a second company which focuses on recruiting and talent development. She is also a national speaker on topics involving human resources and entrepreneurship. She has been recognized in the business community with numerous awards, including being named one of Charlotte, North Carolina's 50 most influential women by the Mecklenburg Times. She encourages parents to volunteer in their children's schools, something that she is definitely passionate about as a mother of six incredible children. She is also an avid runner and a classically trained pianist. She attended college in Michigan on a full scholarship from the music department where she double majored in music and accounting. And she is also a proud wife and grandmother. So excited and honored to welcome the queen, mom, boss lady, whatever you want to call her, April Simpkins. Welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Life After the Crown. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Man, you have had a whirlwind month since uh, your daughter was crowned Miss USA. Congratulations on that, by the way. So we've heard Chesley's I side of things. I, I want to hear your side of things. How's it gone? It's been wonderful. Um I think it was a little bit of an adjustment at first, not having her living here so close to me. Um, but thanks to, you know, the telephone and FaceTime, I feel like we're still connected. But it has certainly been a whirlwind for our family and for Chesley. It's very exciting. Well, I know you two work out a lot together. I know you post all the time of you guys doing 5Ks and running together and exercising. Uh, you seem to be very tight as mother and daughter. We truly are. And it's funny. I do have six children. And out of the six, Chesley is probably the one who is most like me where I am now in life, 
And we do spend a good bit of time together talking or sharing like interests like working out or running our 5Ks, which is a ton of fun. Well, this week has been uh, a whirlwind for you as well. It was the homecoming week for Chesley to come back to North and South Carolina and uh, just be welcomed home by your community and families and businesses and everything. Uh, Can you talk about the week and just what it's been like? It has been honestly exciting just watching so many people greet her and love on her and show support for her. Chesley was very popular in the community even before she became, you know, Miss North Carolina USA. People knew who she was because of her ambition and drive and her community service. So when she won her state title, you know, people drew to her. And when she won her national title, I think there were just so many people in the community who wanted to reach out to her and say, congratulations, and we're still here for you, supporting you. And she felt that absolutely for sure this week. It's been incredible. Well, and they uh, they lit up a building in honor of her. How many times has that happened to somebody? Exactly. The Duke Energy Building is just a signature building in uptown Charlotte. And we had an, a homecoming event for her. And across the street is the Duke Energy Building. And they lit that building up with red, white, and blue lights in honor of her. And wow, it was incredible. I just want to say uh, it's been an honor to watch Chesley and you go through this. Um, You know, we all met back, I think, in 2016, I think was my first pageant with RPM. And uh, I remember meeting the both of you and thinking, there's something special about this girl and and certainly special about you as well. I told you, I told Chesley on the podcast that there is something very strong about your presence. I can't really explain it. It's just one of those energy things that I feel when I'm around somebody. And, you know, whenever you have a very strong parent, you usually have a great daughter that, you know, comes up on stage. That's been my experience in all the states that even the national pageant that I've worked with. And, you know, I've watched both of you go through the highs and the lows. It was, uh, I believe, yeah. last year. She didn't make the top five. I remember, you know, I, I talked to both of you, and it was a, I think it was a pretty hard pill to swallow um, and probably wondering, is this something we want to come back and even do? Um, talk about it from your standpoint. I'd kind of love to hear your uh, aspect of it. I would absolutely agree with you. I do remember that year, and there were many things going through my mind. I know, having been in pageants myself and watched the number of pageants, that you don't sometimes quite know what they're looking for. What is it that is standing out with the contestants, which of course allows them to place them in that order. And so after that loss of Chaz, I shouldn't say loss, after she didn't place in the top five, I thought maybe she's just not what they're looking for. It doesn't take away from her, um, but maybe there's something else that they want in a contestant. I was so thrilled that she decided to try it one more time and did not stop there. But I was quick to tell her, you know, it is not you, sweetheart. You just don't know what they're looking for. Did you convince her to wear the hair? It didn't take convincing for me. I think she was <laughs> determined to do, she was determined to do that. Um, Chesley has had long hair her entire life, and it's funny. She was actually born bald, and oh, really? I used to have to tape barrettes in her hair because she was sick as a child and people would assume that she was a little boy and uh, somewhere around age three, her hair just really started growing rapidly. It was at her waist most of her childhood and she wrestled with it a little bit. Um, I would put relaxers and anything to tame her hair. And by the time she hit undergrad, 
she decided to just go natural. I love her hair. It really is part of her identity. So whenever she wears it naturally, I think it brings out a different sense of confidence in her. And I was glad to see her wear her hair naturally in the pageant on the national stage. Now, I'm guessing you have that same hair comes from your side of the family. You know, it does. And if you look at all of her siblings lined up, I mean, they all have the same curly hair, um, which is really interesting. But yes, I think she gets that from my side of the family. Well, um, you know, we've had a a chance to watch her obviously do all of her uh, media tour interviews and uh, of course coming on this podcast. And, you know, whenever I or anybody else asks her about who her inspiration or role model is, um, she's quick to talk about you. Um, the multitude of things that you have done as her mother, uh, professionally, as a pageant queen over the years to inspire her to who she is today. Um, and when I asked her, you know, just in person, this is not on any interview, um, when I've talked to her about Mm -hmm. it, even when we were training, uh, for Miss USA and just kind of talking on the phone, um, we were talking about her story and I said, what's your story? And she said, it really all started when I remember as a kid watching my mom in a green dress in a parade as Mrs. North Carolina, waving to the crowd and thinking, I want to be like that someday. Uh, Do you recall that time in your life and kind of where Chesley was and what it was like to raise her at that point? I do. I truly do. And I remember competing in that pageant. That's when I was um, crowned Mrs. North Carolina U.S. And it was important to me to keep my daughter's close to me during that time, because I knew this would be an opportunity for them to see a title holder behind the scenes, not just how title holders present themselves in public, Mm -hmm. but who they are when they remove that crown and sash and they are themselves. And I needed them to know that I was the same person. That was really important to me. It wasn't a put on. I didn't behave one way with the crown and sash on in a different way at home. Additionally, I didn't let the crown changed me. I was April before or mom to them. And I was still mom when I had the crown on and beyond. And so I think that taught Chesley that there's a sense of authenticity that comes with that crown, that it can magnify who you are, but it will not for me change who I, who I was. Well, now that was not your that first. Was really important. No, no, that was good. I, you know, that wasn't your first pageant. I know you had done a, a I believe the Miss Petite pageant in North Carolina Correct. in 1995. What caused you to get into pageants? Was there one specific thing that happened or it was just something where you said, hey, I think I want to try this? You know, it was more the latter. And I wish I had some really cool story about why I started in pageants. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but I don't. I honestly was just, I remember being at work and I heard this radio ad for the Miss Petite pageant. And I thought, you know, I would try my hand at that. I was always a little adventurous and never shied away from a challenge. And I went for it. And honestly, Tim, when I look back at my pictures from that very first pageant, there are times when I just cringe. I mean, I did the swimsuit competition. I still have my watch on as I'm going on the stage. Um, <laughs> my, my evening gown dress looked more like a prom dress. It wasn't cut long enough. But I still had this sense of confidence. And I know that's what the judges saw in me. And I think the director probably figured she had something to work with um, because I already had this presence about me. And then, you know, went on to my first national competition. That was the first time I was really around a large group of pageant title holders and was just really impressed by each and every one of them. I, I knew I would try it again. I just didn't know when. And so 
that was 95 and you fast forward to 2002 and that's when I threw my, my hat in the ring again. I felt like at that point I had some experience under my belt and, you know, would know better than to wear my watch on the stage, but um, <laughs> sure. figured I would try it again and I won. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting to hear that, you know, obviously competing in pageants, there's a little bit of selfishness to it. You know, we want to do it for ourselves and, you know, get that yes. feeling of competing and winning, but there was also... Um, kind of the sidebar aspect that I, I don't, did you see this effect on your family happening, you know, 20 years or 15 years down the road that you'd have a, a little girl who would become Miss USA? I mean, was that in your vision? Never saw that coming. I never saw it coming. And I knew, you know, I knew the girls were watching me. I remember being in that carriage, the white horse-drawn carriage and waving to the crowd. There was a parade in Charlotte. They'd asked me to participate and I did. I remember seeing my daughters and I do remember Chesley being just completely enamored. But Chesley was a different person back then. She was very focused academically. And if you had asked me then which one of my daughters might end up in a pageant, I would probably guess my older daughter because of her love of doing hair, styling hair, and all things in that cosmetic industry. So I would have probably pegged her, um, but was not surprised when Chesley first competed when she was in high school in a high school pageant. By then, I was not surprised. Do you remember when she first came to you and said, Mom, I want to do a pageant? I did. And truly, I was excited for her because it was her decision. So I was going to support her in whatever capacity. I think what's hard for me as a mom being on that side of the pageant crown, watching my daughter compete, is I didn't want her to be disappointed if she did not walk away with the crown. I didn't want her to feel bad or begin to question herself. What could I do better? Or how could I be different? Or why them, not me? I did not want to see those things going through her head. And she, she took it well. I mean, well, she won, but she took it well. She always did. And that's why I knew she was competing for the right reasons. Well, she mentioned a story that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago here. Um, you heard it where uh, I believe it was when she was still competing in the Miss America system in North Carolina. Uh, she mm-hmm. got top 10. She didn't get top five. She was utterly disappointed. And you asked her what's wrong. And she's like, what do you mean what's wrong? I didn't win. And, you know, <laughs> that for as a mother, that was your chance to really, you know, kind of give her the truth on how this whole thing's supposed to work. Talk about it. Absolutely. And I told her we are both very strong in our faith. And really, I, I talked to her about grace, that for starters, God has a plan for you. And if this wasn't your time and part of his plan, it's not going to happen. It's just the way that life works. But this was an opportunity to learn about grace. I wanted her to learn grace when you don't win and grace when you win. And I tell you, this week, having an opportunity to listen to her through all of her interviews, and she was asked that question, what did you think for New Mexico when she did not win? And Chesley reverted back to when she stood in that same spot. She said, I knew how she felt, and I wanted to make sure she was okay. And I realized when I heard my daughter say that, that she got it. She got that reason why grace is so important. Well, it, it's really cool to hear not only you say that, but her to relay that and know that she listened and learned from you um, in that regard. Because I think there are a lot of people, as you well know, in the pageant world, they don't operate that way. You know, there's a, yes. 
bitterness and resentment sometimes that you see on stage, which is sad, but it's true. And it's just part of the culture that we live in sometimes. So it's really nice to see a great representation of good character, integrity, and in this case, faith. And I I just love that you taught her that. So thank you for being a good mom in that regard. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So speaking of being a mother, six children, six, that's crazy to think about. I have one and I'm busy enough right now and she's not even (laughs) two years old yet. So I want you to tell me and tell everybody uh, what it's like to raise six kids, and not only six kids, but six successful kids. Well, thank you. You know, I'll tell you something funny. My mother reminds me of this at every opportunity, uh, that when I was growing up, I did not want to have children at all. I felt like I was just too selfish and wanted to focus on myself. But when I had my first child, I, I fell in love with her, and I fell in love with being a mother. And I don't know that even then my goal was I want this big family because six children is a big family. Now, I'll tell you something funny. When I meet someone who has four children, I'll say, oh, my goodness, that's a lot of kids. (laughs) And then I'm reminded (laughs) that I have six. It was important to me as I was raising them that they be individuals. And that, I think, is where stretching myself really was tested. Um, I grew up a musician and it was important to me that my children learn music. And so we're talking six instruments going in the house. I grew up and was a high academic achiever. It was important to me that my children took their academics seriously. So there were common themes. If you look at all the children made it a little easier in raising them, but they are six very different people. And I love that about them. It's kind of hard sometimes to keep up, but I connect with each of them in a very different way. And I love that. Absolutely love it. Well, and in raising six children also comes the responsibility of uh, taking care of them, number one, in in just raising them, but two, the financial responsibility that comes along with raising six kids. (laughs) Chesley has told me about the the company that you started 18 years ago. Um, It's a consulting company. Uh, I believe you started it right out of your, your own living room. Um, Can you talk about how, as an entrepreneur, you have built something uh, over these last 18 years? Yes. So I started, even though I double majored in music and accounting, that was not the career path I took. I actually took a career path in human resources. And after having done that for some time, I decided to go out on my own and start my own consulting practice. So truly from a card table that was folded up, it was stationed actually in my bedroom. um, I began the process of turning myself into a consultant and entrepreneur. I didn't leave my day job just then, but I began this business and I didn't know that it would grow the way that it has. I really thought I'm going to do this because I love it, but I'm probably not going to let go of my day job. And eventually I took the leap like many entrepreneurs do. And I let go of the tether of my day job and I went all in and watched my business grow and expand. And I absolutely love it. It's trying being an entrepreneur, but when you love it, it really doesn't feel like work. I know that's a cliche, but it is the honest to goodness truth. I love what I do. And I think my clients feel that passion and that's why they stuck with me for so long. How did you deal with starting up a business? I've started up a few myself, so I know what goes into it while Mm -hmm. raising six kids. I mean, there had to be a period where you're like, I'm just trying to keep my head above water every day. Truly, that is truly how I felt a lot of days. 
And I had to learn that they, I couldn't create a perfect formula. I couldn't say, well, you know, from, from nine until five, I'm going to work on my business. And after five, I'm going to work with the children. When you're the business owner, you're always on. It's always going through your mind. When you have children, you're always thinking of your children. You know, you may be at work and think, oh my goodness, I wonder if I remember to pack their lunch or did they put their homework in their bag? So my brain had to learn to carry on multiple thoughts at one time, if that makes any sense. No, it makes complete Um, sense. Yeah, my platform when I was, Uh, this is North Carolina, U.S., was encouraging parents to volunteer in their children's schools because in spite of everything that I was doing, I still made time to be present in the school as a volunteer. I thought that was important for my children to know that it was that high of a priority for me to be present and understand where they are with their education. And I think that helps them value it. Um, but the balance of all that, I can remember periods when I didn't remember if I got sleep. I don't know if you were there with your business, but I remember thinking 3 a.m. in the morning, I might get, you know, an hour or two, and then I've got to get right back at it. But I see that work ethic in my children. I don't know if that's, um, good or, or okay, but each one of them has a killer work ethic, and I do believe that that's why they've achieved so much in their lives. Well, I'd love to know this because it's kind of where I'm at right now, and I'm sure when you were starting your business, um, you had six kids at the time, yes? Uh, when I started, I had four. Okay, now so I you had six. four. Was the big motivation as an entrepreneur that I have to succeed because of my kids? It, 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 it's almost like there is no fail or quit. It is only one path forward, and no matter what it takes, I've got to make this work. You are 100% right. Failure was not an option. It was not an option. And after a while, being an entrepreneur, it's funny, I've heard this expression that true entrepreneurs are unemployable um, because their brains just think so big and move so fast. So I knew that after I pulled myself out of the workforce, I had to make entrepreneurship work because I didn't know if I could go back to a nine-to-five because of the way my life functioned. So I didn't have an option of failure. I had to get this going and keep it going. What did you think was the hardest part of growing your own business uh, at that point? Uh, There were a few things that I I don't know that anyone was the hardest. I think making sure my business stayed in the black. I started in the black. I never hit red. So every year at the end of the year, I made money. And every year, my profit increased year after year. So making sure I stayed there became a focus, but also the decision to hire people. I think that was hard and scary because now someone put their livelihood in my hands. Mm -hmm. So I really couldn't fail, couldn't fail them, couldn't fail my family. I think that was probably when I began to feel a pressure like I'd never known. Well, you've certainly handled it well and congratulations on uh, 18 years as a successful Thank entrepreneur. That, that's not a lot of people can say that. Um, you had mentioned something, and I want to talk about it. You're a big volunteer. Um, it's just something that's in your blood. You serve on a lot of boards. I believe you're a board member on your local county chamber. Um, where does that want and will to serve come from? Is it from instilled through your mother, or was it something you just kind of felt like, I need to do this? It does. It comes from my mother and my grandmother before her, who volunteered their time constantly. and. My mother, 
um, would take me and my children, this was just several years ago, would take me and my children with her to serve at the men's homeless shelter because that was where her volunteer time was. I remember her serving in the prison ministry, um, serving at our church. She showed up for my school events when I was in the choir. She would help us. So that was instilled in me as a child. It's not optional. You have to give back. And I was raised with this belief that you tithe your time, your talents, and your money. So I volunteered at church. I sang in the choir. Uh, I was a classically trained pianist, so I played for my church. Um, I taught the children's youth choir. I volunteered at school. I joined the PTA. I serve in my community. It is as much a priority to serve and give back as having a job that produces income for my family. That is not an option. You have to do that. Can we have more of you, please? I mean, that would be <laughs> awesome. I, seriously, it's, it's, so, it's so refreshing to hear all this, and I love, I love to hear it. Um, you also mentioned that you, know, you were a musician, a classically trained pianist. You actually double majored in music uh, in Michigan. Was that something that you wanted to pursue professionally, or was it just something that, I just love this hobby, and I just want to be really good at it? I, so I, learned, I started playing piano when I was 12. I did not start as a very young child. But as soon as I sat down behind the keyboard, something clicked, and I loved it. I went from a beginner pianist, and I mean learning where middle C is on the piano. <laughs> I went from a beginner pianist to accompanying my school choir in one school year. I loved it that much. And my piano teacher, I think she saw something in me that was worth cultivating. And so she took me under her wing. She didn't charge me for lessons. I paid for my lessons by teaching other students. Uh, and then I became a classically trained pianist. I actually competed um, locally in my district and in my region playing classical music. I went to college for vocal abilities, actually, and not for playing the piano. I also sing, but I didn't want a career in music. You know, music was where my scholarship was, but I wanted to be able to move in the business world without being bound by just music. So that's why I double majored in accounting but then took music because that's where my scholarship was. Well, they both have served you well, obviously. So great job. Thank on you. That. Um, one other thing um, that's something I have to cover because everybody saw how great of shape Chesley was in uh, at Miss USA. Um, you're both big runners. You stay in great shape. She's got your genetics. We can totally tell. Um, it's obviously <laughs> rubbed off on all of your children who are all great yeah. athletes. Some of them, many of them have gotten scholarships. Uh, were you always an athlete? Was it something that was a big part of your life before you got married and had kids? I was. And actually, when I was very young, I was a tomboy. I was such a tomboy that when I won the title of Miss Petite North Carolina, my cousins didn't believe me. They kept saying, you wore heels on a stage? And I said, honestly, I did because I was that much of a tomboy when I was growing up. I fought it. I would not wear a dress. You know, I didn't like to look like a girly girl. Um, I wanted to run with my brother and my male cousin. So, you know, fast forward, when I hit school age, I did join the athletic teams. I ran track. Uh, I lettered in track and field when I was in school. I played basketball. I played on the volleyball team. So sports has always been a part of my world. I did not pick up running, though, until after I had 
my sixth child. It was something I did to relax. I'll tell you something funny about running. When I'm out there running and I'll run, you know, for me, seven miles in a minute. I mean, I love the (laughs) feeling of freedom of running, but it is the one time during my day when no one will disturb me. I can't take phone calls. There isn't anyone, you know, saying, mom, I need none of my employees are there. It is just me and my thought. Um, I've solved the world's problems. I say that jokingly, but I've solved so many problems <laughs> out on a good run. So I love it. And um, I challenge myself regularly. So sports and running is something we do as a family in our bonding time. You know, some families might take trips to the Bahamas. We all load up and go to CrossFit or run, you know, the Thanksgiving 5K. It's just what we do. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, because I, you, by the way, you are the very first Mrs. Pageant contestant I have ever had on the show. I've had, had over 50-some women on the show. Never had a Mrs. contestant on the show. So wow. I wanted to kind of talk about, yeah, you know. I talk to many, you know, Miss USA, Miss America, Miss United States contestants, but I've never kind of ventured into that, you know, okay, what about when pageants are done, you get married, and then you think about, I I don't want to do this again. Talk about where your mind was at that time and why you decided to compete in a Mrs. pageant. I'm so glad you asked that question. One thing I want to say is that the Mrs. pageant is very different than the Miss pageant because we really are balancing, you know, for many of us children for all of us, a spouse. And you still have those demands. They still need time. I watched Chesley prepare for the Miss pageant, and she has a lot of time to focus on that without the distractions of anything else. Where, you know, when you're a missus, I can't say to my family, hey guys, I need about three months off to prepare for this pageant. <laughs> so we're all, we're all going in it with this same understanding that we had balance. We, it required balance. Another thing is that a lot of these women, as I mentioned, have children. So our bodies look a little different. And I think we forgive each other for that. You know, when you're up there on the stage in a swimsuit, there's this appreciation for a woman whose body has gone through the beauty of childbirth to still feel that confident about her body that she will walk across that stage so we applauded each other in a whole different way. I, I loved it, um, competing in the misses. I didn't do a Miss pageant, so I don't know what that's like. And the Miss Petite was for married or single. But the Mrs. pageant, I just had a, an appreciation for every contestant. We all walked that same path. Well, it's cool to hear that, you know, it, it really comes down to appreciating where you are at that point in your life. Obviously, you're not 20, 24 years old anymore with the perfect physique that you're going to have in your life. I mean, you've gone through childbirth. Stretch marks are probably apparent. You're not as in great a shape as you ever were in your life. And it's like, you know what? Here we are. We're doing it. We love who we are at this point. We're confident. Um, Is that really the culture that seems to exist when you compete in a missus? Yes. Everything you said, yes. The support is very different. I loved it. I love the women that I met. Our national pageant was out in Las Vegas. Um, and again, that was the first time I was around that caliber of, of contestant where we were all married, uh, many of us, again, with children. It was great, honestly. It was a great experience for me. One last question before we do our uh, rapid-fire get-to-know-you questions. I think everybody wants to know. We actually saw you jumping up and down on Fox when Chesley won. <laughs> I, I know you guys were... Unfortunately, I I was looking for you in the audience when we were sitting there, but you were across the auditorium on the other side. When your daughter's name is called, 
and I'm sure the, the stress level leading up to that was immense. What's it like? Unbelievable. You know, my husband and I were sitting there talking, you know, during the pageant, and we were holding hands and thinking to ourselves, wow, we hope she makes top 15. Anything beyond that is icing on a cake. But at least at 15, she'll have her moment, you know, to be on television and all the folks cheering her back home will have a chance to see why Chesley has made it to this stage. And we were just happy for that. So when they called their name or they called North Carolina, I shot up and was just like, this is it. This is her moment. Um, and as they continued to call her, honestly, my husband and I, our hands were trembling. We were thinking, oh my gosh, this is really happening. This is really going to happen. This is happening. It was an incredible feeling. I, it's indescribable, indescribable with words. And then the day after and just all the hoopla that goes along with it, were you prepared for that? I was not. And truly, I, I remember after she won, when we were sitting at the table upstairs in, in the suite, and we were listening to her new director at the Miss Universe organization kind of talk her through her next steps. And when she said that Chesley was going to need, you know, she needed to be in the lobby at four so that they could catch their flight out to New York. That was the minute all the fog cleared. And I realized this is really happening. My baby's not coming home yeah. with us. She is off in this new role. That, that was sobering. Honestly, that was the moment when I thought I just, I told my husband, I said, I want to stay in this room with her for as long as I can, literally until my eyes won't stay open because I don't know when she's going to circle back around and be back home in Charlotte. And he, who had flown all day, was game for that. Um, incredible. It's been wonderful. Well, I'm just so excited and over the moon for you guys. And obviously I was there with you that night and just got to see that excitement yeah. that you had in that suite. And uh, it was just so much fun to watch. And, and obviously, as we have now watched and learned over these first few weeks of her being Miss USA, um, you are a humongous reason why. And so uh, I give props to you, whether you want to accept that or not. You are a big part Thank of why you. she is Miss USA. So congratulations to you. Thank you. All right. You ready for rapid fire? Get to know April Simpson Simpkins questions. I am ready. I'm ready. Okay. I made these just for you. So here we go. You ready? All right. <laughs> okay. Number one, hardest part of being a mother of six. Oh, um, finding enough time to give each of them my undivided attention. <laughs> number two, uh, everybody wants to know worst thing Chesley ever did to get in trouble. Oh, <laughs> Goodness! <laughs> I'm gonna say Chesley was a very, she was a very easy child, honestly, and I'm not just saying that to get out of answering this question. She was a pretty easy child. Um, you know what? I'm gonna, wonderful. I'm gonna dial this one back, and she's gonna <laughs> laugh when she hears this. Okay. Um, all of the children had a curfew, and I wish I had written a book of, with filled with all of the excuses I heard on why they would miss curfew. <laughs> I wish I'd written them all down. There were some classics. But Chesley one time missed her curfew because she said, and I'm not making this up, when she pulled in and came up the front steps, there was a spider on the porch. And my daughter's definitely afraid of spiders. There was a spider on the front porch. So she went and got back in the car, and that's why she missed curfew. I rolled my eyes to the back of my head. 
gave her props for originality and she took the hit on punishment for missing curfew. Yeah, that's probably the worst thing she did. Here's what I'm going to do for you. (laughs) She's probably going to listen to this anyway. I'm going to make a t-shirt with that on it. I'm going to send it to you and you give it to her for her birthday. I'm going to do it. (laughs) There was a spider, Mom! There was a spider, seriously. Those are the words. All right, number three. Who inspired you growing up? Wow. I'm my mother and my grandmother. I think my grandmother was just a classic lady. I mean, white gloves, tees. She traveled. Um, She really inspired me to learn to be gracious, kind with my words, supportive, and volunteer. Number four. What currently drives your motivation every day? Um, I live by this motto that this is my one life and I'm going to live it to the fullest. And that does drive me to spend every single day maximizing every part of the day, whether that's work or play. That is what drives me. A true entrepreneur's mindset, brother. (laughs) Number five, what do you think the best advice you've ever received is? Ooh, the best advice I ever received. I think, and I'm going to put on my entrepreneur hat because that, there was a quote that really, really stuck with me and it was, don't chase money, Um, chase your dreams and the money will follow. And I think that was really good advice that I received um, because I do love what I do. I do love being an entrepreneur and that person was absolutely right. I didn't chase money. I chased that dream of entrepreneurship and the money certainly follows. That is great advice and I wish somebody would have told me early in my career because I learned that the hard way. uh, Yeah. (laughs) It it is is absolutely true. Uh, Number six, favorite thing about pageantry? I really wish this was rapid fire for me. Like, I wish I had those answers on (laughs) my tongue. No, no, I I can make it sound like that that. anyway. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. There There are many things I love about pageantry. First of all, I have to say, I love the evening gowns because even though I started off as a tomboy, I've become a girly girl and I really do love the evening gown. I think my favorite thing about pageants, though, is the level of confidence for some women that it builds. Uh, That is probably my favorite thing. I do a lot of public speaking, a lot, um, on the national level, the local level. And I tell people all the time when they are giving me accolades for being a speaker that I competed in a pageant. And I said, if you can walk across the stage in a swimsuit as a woman for the purpose of being judged, standing here fully clothed in front of a crowd of people to talk about something I'm confident about is very, very easy. And I think the pageant built that in me. Very good. Uh, Number seven. What is it like to now be the mom of Miss USA? It's heavenly. I I keep telling people, I'm I'm just going to get a big old button to put on my lapel that says, I'm her mom, you know? It feels wonderful, truly, to see one of your children reach this level of satisfaction and success for them means everything as a mom. It means everything. Are you prepared for Miss Universe? You ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Chesley's having, you know, she's getting going to get her dress made and designed. And I'm telling you, I'm going to get me a dress made and designed too. I'm going to get- <laughs> <laughs> Call Gregory Ellenberg. Get on it. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, number eight, what do you hope that other women this year learn from your daughter? I hope that other women learn that it's okay to break the mold. I understand sometimes 
why we feel like we've got to follow the status quo, but breaking the mold is so satisfying. And in my mind, that's what Chesley has done. She has broken a mold. Agreed. Number nine, would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? I would rather climb a mountain. The thought of falling the G4. <laughs> Thing I just don't mean to do. When I'm in an airplane, I need to know that the doors are shut and I don't have to step out until we hit land again. And I, I'm good with, I'm good with that. I'm going to have Chesley buy you a, a little skydiving trip for your birthday. Yeah, I'll your, tell you something. You, make your face you that say fear. that like it's a joke. But at my 50th birthday, my husband set up a blackboard and had all of my guests right on that board something that I should try and I'm determined to spend my 50s moving through all of these really cool things that my friends want me to try and skydiving was on that list so stay tuned I'd never say never um I may do it I may oh, hey, do I'll it. cut you a deal I'll go with you if you go I'll go with you you are on you are on deal we all will right. do it absolutely all right 10 what is the funniest thing that has happened to you recently <laughs> <laughs> um, I drive my children to school and there are times when I drive my children to school and I do not look like a former beauty title holder. I'm going <laughs> to drop them off many times in whatever I slept in, a pair of leggings and a t-shirt and I am praying that I am not late because then I would be forced to walk them into the school, that my car does not break down, and that the police do not pull me over to tell me something is wrong with my taillight and to come and take a look at it. I mean, I pray these things, but one particular morning recently, I dropped them off in a golf cart um, because the neighborhood, the city in which I live, um, things are close enough that you can drive a golf cart to get to them, their school being one of oh them. Oh, my gosh. And I forgot to check the charge on the golf cart, and I had my cup of coffee, and I dropped them off and realized my golf cart might not get me home. And there was a point at which I was prepared to just let it die and finish my cup of coffee and watch something on Netflix and then take the long walk of shame home and get me <laughs> I was prepared to do that. And there were people who were driving past me, probably trying to figure out why I was driving so slow in this cart. Um, but my battery was dying. And uh, and it was embarrassing, but I got over it. Thankfully, I made it home slowly but surely and put that thing on the charger. But I was totally prepared to just sit there and just look bougie with my I feet kicked up. I could absolutely see driving by the side of the highway, you sitting in a golf cart, legs propped up on the dashboard, cup yep. of coffee and your phone in your hand watching a movie yep. and just being like, watching cheers, movies. cheers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is probably, that was probably one of my most embarrassing moments of late. I would say that probably happened in the past 30 days. 
Well, that is fantastic. Thanks for answering the 10 questions. You're off the hook. Way to go. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I know it's been a heck of a week for you. Very busy week with Chesley home for her homecoming tour. And uh, I know that trying to find an hour was not easy for us. So thank you for doing this. And uh, it was really cool to hear the backstories of everything that uh, we've wanted to know about Chesley that she couldn't tell us that you obviously could. Thank you so much for having me. This has been absolutely a ton of fun. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to April Simpkins for her time. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Matthew 1128. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have an awesome week, everybody. Mm-hmm.